Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you are married or thinking about getting married or maybe thinking about getting divorced, then there's a massive amount to learn from this episode with Dr. Lou Primavera, who's the dean of the School of Health Sciences at Toro College. He's a PhD in psychology. And by the way, one of my favorite guests I've ever had on this show. So we had him back. And he actually did private marriage counseling for more than 25 years. By the way, he's also been married for 55 straight years. Of course, all this gives him more than enough street cred for his book, called Making Marriage Work. I love his advice on how to renegotiate the marital contract. Hopefully, it'll make me at least a little bit better of a spouse, and hopefully, it will do the same for you. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money, and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Lou Primavera, PhD, one of our most popular guests here on the Retire Sooner podcast. And we wanted to have him back because I've been working on what the happiest retirees know, the 10 secrets for a happy, secure, joyful life. And one, I have an entire chapter dedicated, Lou, to marriage. And I want, I, there's so many things I want to ask you about. And I want you to help our listeners sure. as they make this difficult. Listen, getting into retirement is one thing, just personally. Getting into retirement and transitioning appropriately with your spouse married is is a whole nother piece of the equation. And you've been a marriage counselor for so many years. Let's dive right into this. You called this the, you said it was something about war. What was it? Yeah, war mediation. Because when people come to marriage counseling, they've already often just screwed it up so much that, and what you get is what what we call the punch your ticket deal, where Mm. they say, all right, we're going to divorce. And one of the marriage partners says, wait a minute, let's try marriage counseling. And so you often are in a situation where you're really doing divorce counseling, you're not doing marriage counseling. But one of the things I've learned about marriage is that, you know, every relationship has a contract. So let's say, let's take friendship, for instance. You have a friend, you know, as a friend, that you have to be in contact with them, that you listen to them, that you hold confidence, you know, things. Confidentiality. Yeah, confidentiality. And, you know, all the aspects, it's not hard for people to tell you, well, what is the contract you have? And your contract with different friends are different because they have contracts have, this is what I'll do and this is what I'll get. This is what you'll do and this is what you get. And so they're different for each friend. Marriage has a contract, right? Is a contract that we know about the formal aspect. I'm not not talking about that. I'm not talking about prenuptial agreements. I'm I'm talking about the fact is that when you enter into a relationship, a contract evolves. And I often say there's two kinds of contracts. There's, there's a conscious contract, one in which you 
actually negotiate. You've actually you discussed. This and you do that and I'll do that. And then there's this kind of unconscious contract, which could be a result of, of the way you're brought up. Okay. So often we see our parents' marriage. It's hard for us not to incorporate that in some way. And for us to maybe even model that unintentionally. I'm not talking about conscious, unconscious the way Freud talked about conscious. I'm talking about you don't say it out loud, but you can articulate it. And so often in marriage counseling, I would say to people, what's your contract? And they'd say, well, what do you mean? I said, well, let's take, let's take, for instance, finances. Who handles the finances? What are the rules about the finances? Does that person make all the, all the decisions by themselves? Or are the mundane decisions can be made by them? And then the more important ones have to be negotiated and talked about. And then you could go through every aspect of, of, of a marriage, of living together, housework, chore, taking care of the kids, sex and intimacy, private time together. Take any one of those things. It, it exists. It's there. And what, what I often would have people do is to say, it's, it's one of the things we need to do first is to find out what the contract is. But doesn't that so? Doesn't that obviously that evolves now? Right. And you're talking, yeah, you're sure. saying it's two tracks, right? You've got the the conscious of hey, we talk, hey, no, we're supposed to talk about this is what we, this is how we do it, and then there's the subconscious, which is these are this is what I'd like it to be like, but I haven't really communicated that effectively. Is that happened? I guess to it everybody. Happens. And and in fact, two things happen when marriages start that problems. One is exactly that that there are things they really would like to work on and, and work out, but it doesn't, it's not has happened. And the other is some life event changes, some major life event changes and the contract changes. Let me give you an example. Okay. Uh, Charlie and, and Mary, I'll just make up two names. This, this is a real example. Yeah. Okay. They're both school teachers. Okay. I forget what Mary taught, but Charlie taught music. And he played the trumpet. And so the deal was Mary made all the decisions. She did all the socialization. She figured out what they were going to do. She made all the financial decisions. And Charlie came home and he played his trumpet. <laughs> and he taught his classes that he was a happy guy. All right. And, and they went along. And by the way, then he also, since Mary was made all the decisions, he got to complain about it. Mm. Oh, so I don't want to spread, but, you know, but he had no responsibilities for it. And then what happened is Charlie's father owns a, uh, a business that does sprinkler systems, you know, you know, sure. Salt sprinkler systems, quite lucrative business. Charlie's father has a heart attack. Charlie has to quit teaching and take over the business. Oh, okay? from trumpet now, teacher to fire course. safety installation. Okay, he's got a whole bunch of people under him. He's got technicians. He has to learn the business. Okay. How a, old are these two, by the way? How old is Charlie and Mary? In their fifties. Okay. In their fifties, early fifties, I would say. And Charlie now has a phone in his car. This is before cell phones. All right. And he's got money. He's got more money. I mean, as his teacher, you know, he's not don't have a lot of money. Now he's got lots of money. He drives a Mercedes. Okay. Well, all of a sudden now, he doesn't like it that Mary's making all these decisions. Okay. Well, wait a minute now. I don't like this deal anymore. Okay. He doesn't say it that way, but that's what happens. So they start to squabble over everything. All right. They start to fight. And they start to fight. And they come to marriage counseling. 
And this was a typical session. He would sit there nice and quiet, and she would say things, and she would say, talk to me, talk to me. And he would, he would sit there, and finally he would get angry at her. My brother, I once said to him, gee, Charlie, uh, you appear to be angry. He said, why do you accuse me of being angry? I said, accuse you? Anger is a normal human emotion, you know? But he, he, he was not used to being angry. He was used to being laid back, and Mary made all the decisions. Well, she said to me one point, you know, Dr. Primavera, Charlie needs drugs. Okay? Because she couldn't control it anymore. See, she didn't have, she had total control, or at least a large amount of control, and now she didn't have it anymore. And she was very unhappy about that. And he was very unhappy about her constantly after him. And after all that, this guy has a sense of power about him. So he never had a sense of being in charge of power. He had real money, real, real resources. He had all these people who were relying on him. All the workers were relying on him. So they had it back and forth. And I'll tell you a funny story once. He comes in the session angry as hell. And I said, gee, Charlie, what, what are you mad at? He said, we were having a discussion and I said something and she threw a valley a, a Xanax down my throat. And <laughs> so but you see the literal physical attempt to control it and give him drugs. All right? Just she like, wants him to calm that she wants him to go back to the because, old Charlie. Yeah, exactly. She, she can't understand this guy who has got all this business stuff to do and his schedules and he's running around. This is not the laid back passive guy who she could do whatever she wanted with. And they, they really had their problems because, and what I was trying to do is trying to get them to see the contract. I said, let's look at the old contract. Okay. See the way it worked. What did you get out of this, Charlie? Yeah. I didn't have to worry about all that stuff. I don't have to worry about the bills got paid. You know, Mary paid the bills and, you know, she made the social engagements and, you know, she made the decisions about the kids and, you know, I could just go to work and play my trumpet, you know, <laughs> And she, and, you know, and so now it's different. He said, now I, now I have a sense of what it means to be in charge because I'm in charge now. And I don't want to, they're making all those decisions. I said, do you talk about it? Do you try to work it out and see if you could, in other words, what I tried to do in marriage counseling is to make that unconscious contract conscious so that mm -hmm. they can now decide to work on it and to either renegotiate it. And that's really what you have to do. You know, it's so funny. I had a guy. He taught negotiations. That was it. He was a school teacher, but he worked for the union, taught negotiations. And he was talking about his wife. And I said to him one day, you, you uh, teach negotiations. Why don't you negotiate with your wife? He said, what? I said, negotiate? What are you talking about? I said, listen, let's talk about negotiation. All right? When you deal with a negotiation, I say what I want. You say what you want. We look at the points of agreement, we look at the points of disagreement, and we have a discussion, and we try to resolve them and come up with some reasonable solution. He said, yeah, that's what I do. Well, why, why can't you do that with your marriage? He shook his head and said, I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to, so this would, to the way you're describing this, and this is a pretty extreme example, right? So passive Charlie becomes the boss. And then it's a really tough transition between him and Mary sure. and they have an old contract and they've never talked about the new contract, but doesn't this happen 
Luda, Luda almost ever, like I would say a lot of marriages, so it many happens, things change all the time as people. And that's the reason why if you don't have a constant dialogue, you're going to do this. You're going to go in different directions. Okay. And, and, you know, now you take retirement. All right. Well, look at all the adjustments one has to make when you go from working to the contract changes. Let's say the wife is still working and the husband is home. Right. Not everybody retires at the same time. Right. In fact, it's kind of it's normal to have one spouse working and one not yet. It's best if it's if if you can do it together. But as you point out, it's it's clearly not going to happen often. And so now things change. So let's say you take a husband who had Let's say he was a fi- you know he was a financial advisor or he worked at a bank, and now he's home. Well, the wife says, "Well, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. The deal has to be different. <laughs> okay, the deal has to be different now. All right, you have to take on certain things for two reasons. Number one, there's less money, so maybe the things that you used to hire somebody to do, you can't do. All right, and the other thing is, I'm working full time, and you're and you're not working. Now, sometimes, but again." If you talk about it, you talk about the transition. If you talk about it before you actually retire, if you recognize that these are going to be the issues, it gives you an opportunity to work out a deal. It, but what you're also saying is that even, even though we go through these different life events, and retirement is a huge one, right? That's a huge one that can throw people into different orbits. This happens all the time. We've got Absolutely. kids out of school, then they're in school. Then they're in the house and they're out of the house. They're they're too young to drive. Now they're driving. Uh, change of job, change of responsibility. That happens throughout our entire marriage, though. Exactly. And, so and how do you go back? And what are we supposed to do? Because it, I guess to to your point, it's okay and normal for the terms of the deal. But maybe these this is the wrong verbiage. Help me with this the terms of the deal different or it's just how we operate together is different. Yeah. It's both because, because the conditions change. The contract is based on the conditions. How, how much time if you know, who, who does the checkbook? All right. Now my family, I do the checkbook. Why? Because I like to do it. My wife's not crazy about it. Could she do it? She's more than capable of doing it. She's a brilliant woman. She's more than capable of doing it. However, I like to do it and it works out fine. Now, our thing with any major decision financially, even some of the minor ones we talk about, we keep a dialogue. And that's the point. Keep a dialogue because things will change. The kids in and out of the house is a big change. It changes. It changes how much time you have together and, you know, those kind of things. And it's, and it's you know, I have, I have done a lot of uh, – uh, if you're a Catholic and you get married, you have to do something called pre-cana. Okay. Say that again. It's called pre-Cana. Cana, C-A-N-A. It's based on uh, the biblical uh, wedding of Cana. All right. It's the idea is before marriage. Okay. And, and and you have to go for preparation. I actually uh, wrote a, uh, a, a a program for pre-Cana with a theologian, and a lot of it had to do with with getting prepared for marriage, and and that's the idea: prepared, getting prepared for marriage, getting people to think about things like. How are you going to handle finances? What are you going to do about the kids? How about free time? How about time together? How about time alone? All the kinds of things that are part of living that you have to work out together. How do you propose that we do this? How do, what, give me a logistically couples that get this right. Are they just naturally good communicators and they're every Sunday they kind of readjust? 
if somebody hasn't done this, which I would suspect not everybody's great at this, what, how would you counsel somebody today, our listeners, to say, look, go back to your spouse and do what to get back on the you same know, page? You know, the thing is that we all like to avoid conflict. Even the smartest of us and the toughest of us like to avoid conflict. And you have to say, if you avoid these discussions, here's what's going to happen. They're going to go somewhere, but you're going to have no control over them. So if you can talk to your wife about talking about these things, you got to talk about talking about. You have to say, listen, we're going to go through a major life change. Okay. And how are we going to handle it? I remember when my son was born, we, uh, and I picked my wife up in the hospital and she had him in his arms. And I looked at her and said, start letting go now. And you said went, what? Say that again. I'm sorry. Start letting go now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and she looked at me and I said, look, things are going to change. All right. In the beginning, they're going to be very dependent on you and, and dependent on me. And then that'll change and things will evolve. And that's what I mean about, about having a dialogue and talking about, about even the most ordinary things because you create a habit of, of, of mutual problem solving. I, I love your point that even the toughest of us that are the most direct right. don't necessarily want to just engage in what something it's always a little bit conflictual because you're talking about you, you, for those listeners, what, what, what Dr. Prevera just said here is that we're, we're always on this V road, if you will, if we're not reconnecting, we're separating to some extent. Exactly. And, and it's your, it's our job as spouses and partners to to kind of continue to come back to center and it takes the simply and this is the kind of advice by the way i use your advice and and that's one thing on this podcast i've actually for from the experts that we have here it really is helpful to to hear something as simple as talk about talking about it because that in itself is helpful literally just saying hey you know what Honey, I was talking to, to uh, a, a, mar- a a 25, 30-year marriage counselor, PhD, knows what he's talking about. And he reminded me that it's really helpful for us just to, just to recognize that we need to have these conversations. They don't have to be difficult, but the thought of actually, particularly in, a, in the busy marriages, we're all busy, got kids, sure. got work, and it's easy to just to put it off and not bring it up. Easy to put it off, not bring it up. But the thought of just once in a while sit, sitting, re- recognizing how helpful it is to, to communicate with your spouse and say, look, let's talk about the changes that we're all going through so that we're back to kind of the center of the road together as opposed to this fork that's getting bigger. Exactly. And, and I'll, I'll tell you something interesting. I, I've canceled some marriages where the way I used to do marriage counseling was I would see them together once, once each separately. And then from then on together. And pe- and I know some of the family therapists say, oh, I should never see them separately. But I always want to see them separately once because I want to know what I'm dealing with. Okay. Am I really counseling two people or four people or three people? <laughs> All right. Is there something? I mean, I have actually had a situation where I'm talking to the couple and they really want to They They both express that they really want to you know, work this out. And then I talked to the husband and he's already got a girlfriend in an apartment already. He's gone. He's gone. So, so, and so, but, but one of the things that really used to get to me when marriages that I saw were, I think pretty much doomed was I learned more in that one hour than they knew about their own person. Because they're just afraid to communicate. 
they don't talk to each other. They just get to the habit where they don't talk to each other. And, you know, it's part, I mean, we don't talk about communication, communication, but it's more than just words. It's really telling, look, this is what's sharing things like fears are very important. You know, I mean, look, we get older, as we get older, the, uh, the specter of death is upon us, the specter of, of ill health is upon us. And having someone that you can talk to and, and share those fears with without repercussions is very important. It's extremely you, important. you mentioned, so you've been doing marriage therapy for, I know, thir- let's call it 30 plus years. Well, I, I stopped doing, I'm done with it now, you know, because I am, you know, nights and weekends and stuff. And that's, I had enough after a while. You're well, technically you're still it, doing though. it because we're it. talking about it. I did it for a long time. <laughs> But how, what was the percentage you, you had mentioned that it was almost war counseling and people were already had made up their mind or they didn't, didn't really want to work it out. What is the percentage? Uh, if I'm on the outside looking in and I see a hundred people come to you because they, they obviously are seeking some sort of help. There's, that's a pretty proactive move. What's the percentage of them that's, that stay married versus get divorced? Punching, they're punching, often they're punching their ticket. I just, I mean, I had some Me- meaning, meaning they're just checking a box. They're not really. Yeah, they're to work they're just saying we tried everything. Okay. And it's, it's a small percentage, but I'll tell you one thing. Wait, a small percentage that it actually works out for. Yeah. Be- mm. Because when they come, it's already damaged. I'll tell you one thing though. I can't always predict it. I had one couple, which I was sure that I was, you know, talking to the wall, <laughs> talking to each other. And a couple of years later, I get a phone call from the wife and saying, I, would you be willing to take on my brother and his wife and to do for them what you did for us? And I said, what did I do for you? <laughs> oh, you got us talking together and we got to mutual problem solving. I, and I, what I wanted to say, what I said to myself was they were really paying attention. <laughs> you guys were actually listening. Actually, listen. So is it fair to say that 75% of folks that end up in counseling end up getting divorced? I, I, I don't really want to venture a number, but it, it's it's it, it's really hard to say because it's when they come. They don't come when it's time to really. That's why I believe that pre-marriage and premarital preparation and thinking and reading is really very important. Okay, you know, you know, the thing that uh, I, I have found that when people go to some kind of premarital counseling, whatever, is that a success is if they figure out what they have to do to make the marriage work, or the fact they say this ain't going to work, because divorces are ugly. And the longer you've been in a marriage, the more you have accumulated, I'm talking about children and mutual, you know, about money, and you know how vicious things get. And I'm telling you, I, I used to say to couples in marriage counseling, listen to me, when people break up, there's a lot of rage. And they look at me like, rage? I say, yeah, not anger, rage. There's a sense of, of I wasted my life. Mm. And there's rage. You know the, you know the uh, Eagles have a song called Wasted Time? Wasted I, I, Time. I, I love the Eagles. I don't know. I, I can't place yeah, it. Wasted Time. Play it. You'll see. 
And it's about this issue of, you know, I spent all this time and now we're breaking up and now I, and, and, and at the end he said, maybe you'll come to realize it wasn't wasted time because that's what people say. You know, when a marriage breaks up, there's a lot of broken dreams. It's not only broken promises, it's broken dreams, things that you were, that you visioned at one point, the way you were going with your life and how are you going to do this together? And now you're breaking apart. And there's a sense of, God, I wasted all that time. Mm. Well, speaking of that, so communication, we're not continuing to modify the contract. That seems like a a primary issue and mistake that you see in in, in a lot of marriages, particularly the ones that end up in counseling. And and then we're now we're moving towards that group that they're not on the same page. So they end up speaking of music. I'm thinking of God bless the broken road that has led me to you. You're you're talking about eagle songs. I think that's a rascal flat song. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Let's talk about second marriages. Are the one of the the piece of research I did, and I wanted to find this out. I'm always trying to figure out the happy retiree versus the un. And I thought there's a very high correlation between marriage and happiness, meaning that marriage, having a partner leads to much higher levels of happiness in retirement, period. I've, I've, it's not even close. Uh, the, so what I also wanted to understand is, does divorce lead to higher levels of unhappiness? And I, and I found in my research that it does not, at least for the first divorce. Yeah, so, first second marriages, so second marriages in my research t- seem to be uh, happiness levels seem to be the same as first marriages. The second, the, the third and fourth and fifth marriages that I've recorded, yes. definitely not, definitely an issue there. Happiness levels that. plummet. But to, let's talk about the second marriage. Do you feel as though they are, in your experience, are people a little better at it the second time around? It, you know, it really depends why you got married the first time. All right. People get married for all kinds of reasons. All right. One is, I mean, I, I've seen it, you know. Um, I was in a band. I, I, I don't know if I mentioned. You're a drummer, right? I was a professional drummer. And I remember getting on the bandstand one night. We were playing a couple nights a week. And the guitar player gets on the bandstand. He looks at me. He goes, it's time to get married. I said, oh, Bill, did you meet somebody? No, not yet. But it's really time for me to get married. So what do you thought me? So I'm 25 or 24, whatever he was. I'm 25. And, you know, I really need to get married. Hmm. And he did get married, and I found out that he got divorced because people get they if you get married for that reason, or you get married for whatever you know for some social reason or parental pressure, then marriage is not going to work, right? You know, because marriage is tough. You know that you're married, you're not tough. You got to work at it all the time. All the time. Five years last Friday. It's fifty-five years. Right. For you. So you're at least we're, we're hearing from somebody that has it figured out. Yeah. And we worked it out and we work hard at it. We still work at it every day. We sit and we talk. We have a thing. We get up in the morning. I make the coffee, get everything ready because I'm a morning person. My wife is not. She gets up and we sit on the couch 
We've been doing this for years, and we talk. And we talk about mundane things and important things. Depends what's going on, okay? But I think if you get married for <clears throat> other than because you really want to be together and you really value each other, really care about each other, that marriage doesn't work out. Hopefully you find that. And the reason why the second one is because maybe you find that. Maybe you're not mature enough, okay? And you find it the second time. But if you have a multiple marrier, okay, somebody's marrying four or five times, that's just somebody's never going to be satisfied with anything. Mm. I did know a, actually a very famous psychologist. I won't tell you his name, but he was married. He's passed on, married five times. And I said to him, Art, what's with the married and remarried? He goes, I like being married. He said, apparently you don't like staying married. <laughs> you know, things didn't work out and he would move on. And, you know, and it's just that that's a lack of being able to really work and build a relationship over time. As you know, you, you've been married a while. You know, you, you, your relationship is at 55 years. Our relationship is quite different in many ways than it was day one. But yet there are certain common things. We always like being together. We always like talking together. We always like, you know, doing things together. And, and and we enjoyed bouncing ideas off each other. I remember that when we were dating and my wife said to me one time, something really worries me. I said, what, honey? She said, we're going to run out of things to talk about. And I said, never going to happen because life's going to keep throwing us things. And but, but by the way, I, I really relish that because the first time I was correct. <laughs> because she's, she, she's a very smart woman. And and that's and every once in a while I'd say to her, have we run out of things to talk about yet? No, because when you really care and like each other, you know, you know, when you really like each other, it's very funny. I gave a talk to a bunch of high school kids about marriage, and I said, Don't marry anybody you don't like. And they all left. Yeah. Of and course, I said, right? <laughs> Having done marriage counseling, I'm not kidding. There, there are people who get married for all kinds of reasons. And not because they like each other, they like to be together, they like to share things together. And even if you don't For have- example, that's a that's actually it's funny, that's a very interesting concept. I, I hadn't really thought of it ever that way, but you're I guess that we think default, oh, two people are in love. But to your point, it doesn't happen all the time at all. Like what's a give me an example of a marriage that is not two people that don't like each other. Uh it turns out that uh, those two people I just talked about they don't like each other. They ended up, by the way, they ended up divorced. You know. Oh, we're talking about. Uh, let's go back to Charlie and Mary. Yeah, they they ended up divorced, and it ended up that you know it's so funny. He leaves the house, he gets a girlfriend, he wants to come back. His wife said, "You can't come back unless you go see the psychiatrist and get medication." He calls me up. I say, "Go, go, go, go." And he calls me up from his car and he says, you were right. You were right. The sky just said, you were right. You're right. And, and he said, you know, your wife's just going to have to learn the two of you are going to have to learn to re rework things out. They never could. And he ended up not like it. People don't like each other after because it becomes too much work. Do they grow to do, do, do couples grow to not like each other? Or do you feel like they, they, typically didn't really like each other to begin well, with. They, they, I, I think both happens. They, they may not be, they just want to be together for whatever reason. 
okay? They want to be married. They Societal. Want to oh, it's want time. Whatever the reasons are, okay? And then they don't grow together, so they grow apart, and then they'll get to really dislike each other. And you've met divorced people who, who, who talk about their, their ex in, in the most damning way. Oh, God, yes. They hate each know. other. Almost always. Not, not always, but almost not always. always. They just... Always. It's it's it, you know it, it it is rare that people can divorce and, and not be angry at each other because again it's the think about it it's not just broken what it's broken dreams you know the one thing as human beings is we have dreams we have fantasies ideas of where we want to go with life you know we, we want to do this we want to do that and 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 when you get married you often will have things that you think about doing together. And those things get broken in a, in a divorce and, and rage comes up. And, you know, I used to say to people, and they say rage. And I say, yeah, rage is like brain cancer. It makes you stupid. You can do stupid things. Mm-hmm. Can I give you an example? Please. Okay. Family physician. Okay. That's important to understand. Going through a divorce with his wife. Okay. Calls child protective services. Says my wife is a terrible mother. Hmm. Now, he knows it's not true. He's just angry at it. Child Protective Services goes in. They interview. They look at the home. They talk to the kids. And they say, it's fine. So I said, do you realize what he's done? He's just given you. He's just taken away any argument he has for him having custody of the children. And he should know better. He's a family physician. So just out of rage and spite, he just... Stupid. I mean, people do things. They just do these things. I mean, you say, you did what? Because they're angry and they want to be spiteful. Lou, let me ask this. If you were to, and you've seen, I mean, you you just told a story where you've counseled people where you didn't think they would get back together, but they did. What is the, can you point to any one, and I'm going to call it a medicine. That's the wrong word for it, but some sort of something that, that helps rescue um, if you're going to rescue a marriage, you're going to have to do what? Okay. If they come into a marriage counseling hurting and, and they want, they really say, I don't really want to get a divorce. All right. And if they listen and they begin to develop the habits that will create a better relationship, that's the medicine. The medicine is, you know, we talk about communication. It's more than communication. It's communication and negotiation. You can't just talk to each other. You know, it, it, it's, it's very funny. I had a, a couple, and I'd watch them, and one would talk, and the other one would sit there like this. Can you see my arms folded? And what the message was, all right, let him talk. When he's done, then I'll tell you really what's going on. Yeah. Right? So it's not only just talking, listening, but also willingness to negotiate and work and work out solutions to problems. And if you want a medicine, that's a medicine. Learn how to negotiate, learn how to ask what you want, listen to what they want and work at something that works out. By the way, negotiation is different than compromise. compromise. What is the difference in a marriage? What is the difference between negotiation and compromise? I don't I'll understand. You, I'll tell you. I want to go to Alaska. You want to go to Florida. Let's get the map and find halfway in between. That doesn't work. Mm, Denver is not the right compromise. No, no, no. Okay. I spend a week in Alaska and a week in Florida. Okay. That's a compromise. That's a, that's a negotiation. That's a negotiation. Right. Okay. Is that each person in a negotiation and you know, business negotiations, everybody has to walk away 
that they got something and that they gave something. That, that helps create the bond, is that not only did I get something, but I gave something. Gosh, and, I, I can just think of my wife right now thinking Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. Right? <laughs> she wants to go. We're in the South, right? I'm in Atlanta. She's from Michigan, but it's always, let's go Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. And all the, for 20 years, we've been going up there. I've, eventually, I grew to actually love Michigan. So I like it too now. <laughs> but we, we still haven't gone to Montana, Montana, Montana which is where I, I, at least I think that's where I'd like to be going, but I, I but I'm, I'm going to make sure that we don't meet in the middle and Denver's not the answer. But so, that, okay. But that Fine. is the idea. You, you know, like uh, I, I had a guy, I, I, uh, a, uh, a young man that worked for me and became a psychologist eventually. And he went through a divorce and he said to me, he was my student at the time. And he said to me, I don't understand. I said, well, oh, Bill, what do you mean? He goes, well, I washed the floor one week and she washed the floor the other week and she went and, and he, and he had this 50, 50 idea. Okay. But that, I said, that's not what marriage is about. He said, what is marriage? I said, marriage is a hundred, a hundred. You give what you have to give. Okay. You give what you have to give. You don't, if you have this kind of, and by the way, it doesn't even work in business. This 50, 50 idea it doesn't work in business. You know, that it doesn't yeah. work. It's a hundred, a hundred. I love yeah, that idea. People have to give what they have to give and that'll change from situation to situation. So some situations, somebody has a lot to give and the other person doesn't. In the other situation, it switches around. But you feel in general that, that the person is doing their best and giving what they have to give. I want to ask your opinion on some of the research that I'm writing about. And I, sure. and again, I write a little bit about health. And a little bit about marriage. I'm obviously not a health expert, nor am I a marriage expert, but I'm trying to emulate and understand what happy folks do when it comes, happy retirees do when, when it comes to their marital habits and what do they do, again, health-wise, what are their habits and try to work effectively reverse engineer happiness and retirement. That's been my study for now, at least a decade. And I guess one chapter I have in book has to do with different phases of marriage and what those phases look like. I want to ask you a couple of those. And then, and then one chapter or one part of that chapter has to do with marital intimacy. And I asked, I actually have surveyed large populations about, Hey, how often are you intimate? How many, how many, God forbid, how many times do you have sex uh, in a given year or a month or a week? So I'm going to get, I'm going to ask you about that in a second, but let's start with this the happiness on this, the happiness on, on the journey through marriage. And essentially what I found, if I were to look at my chart, is that we have early on, we have a phase where it's almost this honeymoon phase and it's really easy. And there's a really high level of, hey, marriage is really good. And then you get into this, I call it this initial budget shock where you maybe you start to have kids and all of a sudden you can't afford all the things you want. And now it's not right. just you, you and your spouse. You have to right. coordinate from it was used to be me. Now it was us or now it was me and you. And now it's them, the kids. And that that takes a, a hit. Then you get sticker shock when it comes to kids going to college. True. And then eventually we get to the point where marriage, it seems to me, once you get to the 30 year mark, you essentially have said, look, I, we've made it this far. We might as well keep going. And marriage levels just rise and rise and rise almost after that. What, what are the phases that you see? 
over and if, if that relates if, if any of that makes sense or no, it makes what do you a lot say? Of sense. in fact it's the same thing as in retirement people start out on a high because they all they focus in is on the benefits then then the reality starts setting in and they start having to make decisions and adjustments and they begin to be not so happy and then eventually if they get it together and not everybody does in our book we found that 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 there's not a lot of people who are extremely well adjusted to, to either marriage or the retirement. Not we, we didn't do marriage. Uh, we 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 did retirement. But what happens is you need a readjustment. You always need readjustment. That's the point. At every stage, because because you're together in the beginning. You get married, let's say you have an apartment. That's not a lot to take care of. You can focus a lot on yourself, you can go out to eat. There's more money than will be in the future. Now you get a house. Now you got a home. You know, I always say to, to new homeowners, buy the money. Go rent the movie, The Money Pit. Because yeah. all houses are money pits. And, and so now you got a whole different situation. It's not only do you have less money, but you got to take care of things. Either, being, either by paying for them or doing them yourself. All right. Now you bring kids to the situation. Now you got a whole different. So every single time, if you have a strong bond and you have a strong habit of working together, communicating and negotiating, you'll take a look at that situation. And you'll say, here are the things we have to do. Now, now my wife and I have always hit, you know, we hit a point where we say, okay, listen, here are the issues. You handle this. I'll handle this. We'll handle this together. All right. And, and if you don't have that habit, the more stresses you put on a marriage, the less likely it is to survive. Now, once you have a habit of doing that, as you're going along, it'll get easier and easier and easier. I mean, we've gotten to the point where we start fighting and then we start laughing. <laughs> you know? Come on, we've been down that road, but we don't have to fight that. We don't have that anymore. We already had this fight seven different times. But, okay, so the pressures of life yeah. make marriage harder after the first few years. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, the, you know, and the responsibilities. And if you're in a profession where you rise, you have more responsibility, you have more things to take care of, more, more stresses. You know, it's, it's, it, it really is. If you can build up, and I always tell people, you know, premarital stuff is that you can build up the habit of working together. You can take on each challenge, recognize it's a challenge and work together. You have a good shot of making it. Right. When you're transitioning into retirement, though, again, let's talk about that. When you're married, you transition into retirement. Together. That's correct. You've got the added stressor that is, hey, we have to adjust to retirement, first yeah. of all. Now we have to adjust. Now we have to read your book, read my book. We have to see what some of the things are that we have to talk about that are going to happen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm a huge believer in core pursuits. I, that's just my version of Absolutely. a hobby on steroids, your purpose in life. There's a lot of ways to look at it. I, I look at them as actual things 
that you love to do that you want to get better at. And they can be anything, right? Happy retirees have 3.6 core pursuits. Unhappy have, let's call it 1.9 or less than two. So you've got this, this big disparity between the number of different things that we want to do. When we get into marriage or when we get into retirement, and really just, we, and I think this is probably the question is in marriage in general, these core pursuits, how important do you see it being the husband has a set of their own core pursuits that, that they love to continue to get better at and spend time at, and then the wife does too, and, they, and they're very happy in that way? Or do they have to have them together? What, so what and they have to have new and new, tell me about what your thoughts are on that. They, they have to be supportive of each other, at least not resent them. Let me give you an example. I love music, all right? We didn't have end tables in our, in our living room for years because I had speakers. Now, is my wife crazy about music? She likes music, not like I do, mm -hmm. all right? I have music everywhere in the house. It's okay. She will encourage it. When I went out to buy a higher-end stereo, I said, gee, she said, buy the whole thing. Just buy the whole thing. And if I ask her why, she because you love it, and it puts a smile on your face. And she loves to read. She's, a, she's an average reader, all right? And, and, you know, and I think it's very important that you can do some things together. That's great, all right? But that you also, it's more than just have different things, that you support each other's things that you like to do. So, you know, if, if I wanted to buy something for me, but let me buy it. Just buy it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Worry. Because I love that. I love that terminology because you love it. Yeah. Because now, what, what if, and this, I've, I, I've seen this or heard this argument many times from couples I've worked with over the years where one spouse says he needs to do more stuff or she doesn't have enough stuff to do, or there's, he needs more hobbies, particularly because I've written about this for a long time. I've, I've written about these core pursuits. I'll have one of the spouses say bill or bob or jim he needs more to do do you see that as an issue and how do you solve that lou you know it's you can't make you know what one of the things we say in our book at the end is one of the things you should do is to constantly explore constantly experiment and explore that process in itself is, uh, is, is a good process. People need to have, but you know, not everybody has to have the same things, the same kind of things. Like my wife likes to, to watch certain things on TV. Not for me, that's fine, but I support it. It's great for her to do it. She likes to do that, okay? She finds that like a bubble gum. For, you know, we call it bubble gum for the mind. Is that, you know, this is an activity that you know is not going to be it's 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 not going to teach you anything. You know, it's it, it's really important that we support each other's interests. That's critical. And and you know, when somebody says to me he should be doing more, why are you saying that? Is it because he's not supportive of you, or she's not supportive of you? Is because they're not allowing you to do the things you want to do? Is that the reason why you think they need to do more? Okay, because quite frankly, I would never tell my wife she needs to do more. I wouldn't do it. If she wants to do something, I'm supportive of it. She's supportive of the, of the things I want to do. And I think that's really the more important issue. But if you've got a couple where, let's say the wife does, has a tennis team and she's has the, 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 let's call it a walking club and a hiking club and loves to travel and has 10 different 
loves loves that she's constantly doing very active. And the husband, on the other hand, has kind of been all work for all these years. Nice husband, great guy, let's say, and supportive of the family, maybe good father, maybe arguably pretty, pretty good husband, let's say. But you get closer to retirement or even some other phase, maybe the kids are out of the house now, and one of the two spouses, they really don't have a whole lot of different things that they've engaged in because maybe they're 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 very focused on one thing like work. Have you ever seen an example of how one spouse helps another spouse get out of that? Yeah. You can, how does that tell me how to fix that? Because I see that a lot, Lou. You know what? You can't make it, you can't make it. Listen, I'm gonna fix you. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Don't do that. All right. Don't say I'm gonna fix you. Say, look, it I'm thinking that you've focused your whole life on work. It's time for you to find some things you you deserve now to find some things that are fun for you. So what have you been thinking about? Okay. What kinds of things now you may not have it in your head as you want, but maybe you want to start to explore some of the things you might want to try to do. And I'll be supportive of that. I will do whatever you know, I will do whatever I can to help you look for those things. Right. And and you know, if you approach your spouse like you're going to fix them, that's not a good. That's not going to work. That's By the way, usually those marriages, usually those couples that I'm I'm describing, and I've had many of these over the years. Usually, they do lead to divorce. By the way, yeah, but and that's, I, that that's because what the person is saying is there's something lacking in you, right? And 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 look at me. There's not. I am doing all these things, and 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 there's something lacking in you that won't work. But you could help, and I've seen people that you can help that person explore and find things that they might find interesting. You know, there's some people think vacation for them is sitting on a beach and sipping pina coladas. And they and I have a niece and nephew that love that. That's that's love that. I would find that deathly. <laughs> I want to go deathly. I want to go look at things. I want to go see things. I want to I want to learn something. All right. So what what is a uh, a pleasurable uh, thing for me is not a pleasurable thing next for someone else. And when you're in a marriage, you can't look at what someone else does and say, oh, I don't know why you want to do that. I mean, you know, but you can say to somebody, look, this is your time now to explore things you've been. You've worked all your life. You've been a great provider. Now it's time for you to go have some fun and do some things. And I'm going to support. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to support whatever it is that you want to explore. I love that advice. Let's talk about another part of my marriage chapter has to do with intimacy. And I, and I asked the question about how often are you, how often do you, are you intimate? Is that something that, that needs to continue forever into your 60s, 70s, 80s, et cetera? Can you speak to that a little bit? I did, I did find some levels where it was, it was still really important, at least from my happiness chart, was that there, there, there's still sex slash intimacy, at least at a certain level or a certain frequency. And I'm going to, you're going to have to, folks are going to have to buy what the happiest retirees know to actually see the chart, uh, the, to actually see the chart. But 
What is your take on that, Lou? Well, you know, it's more than just having intercourse. It's touching each other, kissing, hugging, you know, you know, caressing each other, spending time together. So again, that's an actually a really interesting point. It's not just about it's not just about how often we we sleep together or maybe not sleep together. It's really not just about intimacy slash sex. It's about are we holding holding hands? Are we just each hugging? Kissing goodbye in the morning. You know, you know, if, if you sit around uh, you know the old joke, you know, uh, you know, people sitting around and they look at each other, okay, let's have sex. That that's that's not real intimacy. That's just I call it gymnastics. Okay. <laughs> that that what you really want is intimacy. Intimacy is saying loving things to each other, touching each other, kissing, holding, holding each other. Sometimes I'll just grab a hold of my wife and just hug her. All right. You know, and I think all those things, it's not just just having intercourse, because you can have intercourse. And you're you're having intercourse with one person, but you're someplace else. You know that mm-hmm. happens. People have fantasies during intercourse, and you know it's it's not, it you know it. And I think it's it's more important for for women than for men. And women really like intimacy, touching, care, and saying that and loving things. And you know, I've married fifty five years. I bring my wife flowers often. Oh boy. All right. And I, you know, to me, flowers, but it puts a smile on her face. And I said, if that does it, I love it. Wow. <laughs> you know, I that's love a good reminder. By the way, guys, that's a good reminder. What is it? So let's start with the difference between men and women. What, what is the, whether it's, what are the needs, the different needs you mentioned, you just touched on this between you know, women, women and men? Women, women uh, want, they, they want, attention but i'm not talking about you know 40 or but they want to be paid attention they want to they want connection women are better at connection than men are hmm. oh they are they're better at connection than men are all right and you know and so i think i, th- I think it's very important for a I man i had to learn this you know that certain things you you know about that book? Uh, men are from Venus, women are from yeah Mars. yeah. Men, men are from Pluto, women are from yeah. But there is one very good point, and men tend to be problem solvers, and women. And so what'll happen is I did this with my wife, and once in a while I still do it. And I have to stop myself. She'll present a problem, and all of a sudden I'll come up with a solution. She'll say that's not what I want. I want you to listen to me. Just let me go on and and and, and tell you what. What I'm thinking, and so you, and so I think men sometimes we tend to be problem solvers. You want to fix it? Let's fix it. Let's fix it. And I'm really a fixer. I love to fix problems. That's what I do for a living. I'm a dean. I, you know, I'm in charge. I, I get pro- those phone calls are problems. I guarantee. When I call them back, there'll be issues I have to deal with. And and you know, and so women like to be like to just listen. And once in a while, I have to say to myself, shut up. And listen, <laughs> just listen to what she has. So, of course, I'll say to her, honey, you just want me to listen, right? And she'll say, yes. Say, By the way, I don't care if you're uh, male or female. If you're listening to this, you you immediately in your mind are saying, wow, I could be doing a lot better in a lot of ways when it comes. <laughs> these are such good reminders that when we're, we're running busy lives, that these are really important. There's so many important things we've talked about today that hopefully I feel like this is like a free counseling session for me. 
to be I, a better I, spouse. I'll tell you, Wes, I have to constantly remind myself because there are times when I'll start and I'll say, well, wait a minute. You don't really want me to do this, do you? And she'll say, no. So you want me to shut up and listen? Okay, go ahead. But I have to remind myself. And sometimes I'll say, you know what I just did? That was, I'm sorry. I, I really should have just shut up and listened. Gosh, I'm, imp- I'm literally improving as a husband listening, uh, having this conversation. Now, I don't know how long it'll last, Lou. It might only last like a couple of weeks and then I'm going to forget everything. So well, I'll go back and listen. That's to- true. I think, I, I don't know that there are seminal moments in people's lives where things change them and we all have those to point to, but there are lessons we need to learn over and over again. And that's the other thing, you know, if someone would say to me, what's one of the most important things in making a successful marriage? I'd say forgiveness. Well, that was going to be my last question. So we're going to end it here. So, so for the number one, your favorite piece of advice is what? Forgiveness. You always forgive. You know, it's interesting. We forgive for ourselves as much as we forgive for the other person. Explain that. What do you mean by that? Because if you don't forgive, you chew on it and you ruminate and you keep saying negative things to yourself and you suffer for it. When you forgive, you have an opportunity, not easily, to let it go. And then you have also an opportunity to, to, to come up with a solution. Because if you don't forgive, if, if, you find, if you find yourself never forgiving anybody, you end up a pretty angry, bitter person. So why not be able to forgive your spouse as well? And to forgive yourself. Forgive yourself as well. You have to start to forgive yourself, you know, because listen, we're all fallible. We all make lots of mistakes. It's part of the deal. So if we can say, you know what? And, and there are times I'll, I'll, I can say to my wife, boy, I screwed up. I totally missed the whole boat on this thing. And she'll say to me, yeah, okay. You know, and and so I forgive myself, and then I and if you know I can forgive other people. Maybe one last question. I I want to ask about family and the the role of either your adult kids or your parents when it comes to, particularly as you're thinking about going into retirement. The Retire Sooner podcast. Not everybody is headed into retirement. A lot of our listener base is thinking about this well into the future. So they're not necessarily getting, they're not retiring anytime too soon. But when it comes to the, the role of the family and either your kid's role in your relationship or your parents' role in your relationship, these, these, these can be important ingredients and they can hurt or help. Do you have any advice around, particularly as you're transitioning into retirement, what about the role of the family? You have to talk to them. You have to talk to your children and say, look, dad's going to retire, you know, or mom's going to retire, and our lives are going to change. And this is how it's going to change. And this is how it's going to affect you as best we can tell. And we need, to, we need you to, to listen to what we have to say, and we're willing to hear what you have to say. And, and, you know, when you marry, you don't marry a person. You marry a family, whether you like it or not. Okay. And, you know, it's interesting. I had a guy who was going through a divorce and he said, tomorrow I go down to court and I have my mother-in-law will now lie to help her daughter. And he said, that doesn't bother me. You know what bothers me? He said, she was my friend. Oh, the mother-in-law was. Yeah. 
I now lost a friend. I used to go out to lunch with her. We would talk on the phone. And now I've lost a, I've lost a good friend. And so if you think about that, it's not just two people. It's a network. And, and that's and that's one of the other reasons. That, divorce is so difficult for so many reasons. For but that reason. It's, it's you're losing their family. You're losing all kinds of things. And there are people, who, unfortunately, whether you want to or not, they will take sides. And uh, you can discourage them from doing that, but they'll, they're going to do it anyway. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's, it's just extremely important to understand if you're going through a life change, whatever that life changes, the people who, is it, who it's going to affect, it's really helpful if you talk to them and, and listen to them. And it doesn't mean that they'll make your decision. It means that you, you're aware that this is going to impact on them. And, and you want to listen to what they have to say about the impact and try to work something out so that it, it works the best it can. But you can't, you know, we don't live in a vacuum. We, we live in a social network. And everything. What is it? How long do you have you? And I, again, your many, many years of experience in this divorce is devastating. And it, and it certainly is a uh, it's it's like a, a, a car wreck. Right. I've seen it so many times sure. uh, for for family members and families that I've worked with. Does it take I'm trying to think how long it feels like a, it's like a, it, it's kind of a year recovery for a lot of people. At least, and some some parts of it never go away. You know? Talk to a person who's been divorced for 10 years and say, tell me about your spouse. You mean, which one? You mean the, oh, the ex yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. So 10 years later, it's still. There's still a lot of resentment because of the broken dreams. I really do believe that that's the, that's the, that's the thing. It's like, you know, go listen to that, to that Eagle song, Wasted Time. That's going to be the song of your episode, by the way. <laughs> Wasted <laughs> time. Great. All right, Lou, you're you're the best. There's a reason people love these interviews because it's well, there's a lot of helpful stuff in here. I, I can actually hear myself thinking, wow, I should do that. Well, thank you, Lou. We'll be in touch. Let's stay in care. touch. Thank right, you. Take care. Pleasure. Thank you. I love talking to Lou, Dr. Primavera. And I always feel like I walk away with some actual and practical things that I can do to be better at something. In this case, hopefully it's marriage and hopefully his advice does just that. I love the thought of marriage is more than just communication. It's negotiation and that marriage isn't this 50-50 contract. It's a 100% and 100% negotiation that we have together with our spouses. Just like so many important things in life, marriage is a journey and a process that we need to constantly work at. Hey, y'all, this is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information information.